Joe Biden wants you to know that together we are going to beat coronavirus and get our lives back. And for all of you asking when things will get back to normal, here is the truth. The only way to get our lives back, to get our economy back on track, is to beat the virus. You've been hearing me say that for while I was running and the last 50 days I've been president. But this is one of the most complex operations we've under, under, ever undertaken as a nation in a long time. That's why I'm using every power I have as president of the United States to put us on a war footing to get the job done. Sounds like hyperbole, but I mean it, a war footing. Oh, do I have to torture you with more of this? I very well may. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. I'm sorry. 833, got Tony. Hold on a second, President Biden. I'm talking. 833-468-8669. This to me was was the, the best line in it. But this is one of the most complex operations we've under, under, ever undertaken as a nation in a long time. This is one of the most complex operations we've ever undertaken as a nation. Or this is an op- this operation is more complex than anything we've done in a long time. It's, it's one or the other. You, you can't mix it together uh, like that. And what about that operation? What about that operation? I mean, we, we call that operation warp speed, right? The development, manufacture, and distribution of vaccines in record time is a true miracle of science. It's one of the most extraordinary achievements any country has ever accomplished. And that's as close as Joe Biden was going to get to unity in this speech. No mention at all of President Trump and Operation Warp Speed, unless, of course, you mention the very start of his speech. Good evening, my fellow Americans. Tonight, I'd like to talk to you about where we are. As you mark one year since everything stopped because of this pandemic. A year ago, we were hit with a virus that was met with silence and spread unchecked. Denials for days, weeks, then months. That led to more deaths, more infections, more stress, and more loneliness. Yeah, unity is out the, is, is, is out the window. It's out the window or the door or whatever the opening is that you want something to be out of. It's gone. What about stopping travel from China? Was, was, was that nothing? When you said that was xenophobia and then you decided it was okay? What about the people who said wear a mask? No, wait, don't wear a mask. As a matter of fact, why would you wear a mask? It wasn't just uh, people like Jerome Adams, the former Surgeon General. It was Representative Eric Swalwell. Stop wearing masks. That was his tweet. Is it possible that in the beginning, we didn't know as much as we know now, and you could certainly make the argument that President Trump wanted to downplay it, why he didn't like the idea of fear? You could argue that was a mistake. Come on, that's a legitimate argument to make. Don't think that everything regarding President Trump is something you're not allowed to talk about. Of course you're allowed to say he tried to downplay it and he shouldn't have done that. It should have been a much more direct, focused conversation with America. I'm actually a believer in that. The problem is we didn't get that from the political left. We got how can we politicize this? 
Everything, beginning to end, the Alpha and the Omega was how do you politicize this? And that's what made it so destructive, and that's why people are so disgusted and so off and, and feel so awful about their government. Trump did nothing, and that's what caused everything. And now you're crediting Operation Warp Speed without mentioning Operation Warp Speed, which was in large part due to President Trump and the administration. That's why I'm using every power I have as president of the United States to put us on a war footing to get the job done. Sounds like hyperbole, but I mean it, a war footing. And thank God we're making some real progress now. In my first full day in office, I outlined for you a comprehensive strategy to beat this pandemic. We've spent every day since attempting to carry it out. Two months ago, the country, this country didn't have nearly enough vaccine supply to vaccinate all or ever near all of the American public. But soon we will. Stop, 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 stop and stop. Two months ago, we didn't have enough vaccine. The vaccines were just getting approved. The vaccines were just getting approved. We were just starting production. Your argument is you got into office and you all of a sudden made it happen. Nobody believes that. Nobody nobody believes this. This is an absolutely horrific thing to state. When I took office 50 days ago, only 8% of the Americans after months, only 8% of those over the age of 65 have gotten their first vaccination. Today, that number is 65%. Just 14% of Americans over the age of 75, 50, 50 days ago had gotten their first shot. Today, that number is well over 70%. This is a despicable movement of the numbers. It's a not, it, it, it's not a comparable thing. You're not allowed to say, I came into office and look what I did, when it isn't because of what you did. This is gaslighting America from the White House. I don't think people should be down for that. By the way, you've been president for 50 days and not one press conference. Now, he stands there and he's, he's you know, trying to look presidential. He doesn't... Eh, there are a couple of facial moments there. You're like, man, you wish you could have that back. And then, of course, there's just the general sound of his voice, which is a, a weaker voice. Now, for me, I will admit that, that that hits me awful. For other people, it might not bother them as much. He, he's older and, and, all right, your voice is a little bit weaker. You think I'm loud. I get told that all the time. I'm too loud on TV. I'm too loud on radio. I'm talking too fast. Well, what else they say? You've never met my father. 83 years old and the voice just booms. I mean, it's where, it's where I get it from. We do, I, I, I only assume I'm going to be able to, to grow old and happy and still keep the voice. I certainly hope that I can. Some people didn't. So I don't think I get to say of, of Joe Biden, he doesn't have the, he, do, he does not have a presidential voice as I, as I hear it in terms of, of the tenor of the voice. But Reagan had a very unique voice. It wasn't a booming voice, but it certainly was, was clear. So as far as presentation goes, you can argue that Joe Biden beat expectations last night because he didn't fall down. 
He didn't start, you know, mumbling to himself. But this kind of talk about, look at me, look what I did, I'm taking credit, is just despicable. Now, something that has been questioned, I got to tell you I'm in favor of, and it's how the U.S. has now purchased enough vaccines to fully immunize 750 million people. And people are like, man, that's a lot of doses. What do you do? Oh, 330 million Americans. You've got double, if not triple, uh, you know, um, because it's three times the number of American adults in the U.S. What are you going to do with it all? So let me give you uh, two ways that I think this should be looked at. And I argue that this is the right thing to do. The first is, is certainly a national security conversation, which is there are going to be pockets of America that didn't get vaccinated. And then there are going to be people where the vaccination possibly, you can argue, didn't take. I'm not, I'm not trying to pretend I, I know all the science. I'm saying things go wrong. Things go wrong, and there is no reason why you shouldn't have as much vaccine as possible. There might be issues that come up with manufacture or distribution. You're going to want to make sure that while you can get it and while you can keep it stored, you have as much vaccine as possible. Now, if you say to me, Tony, the vaccine is going to go bad. It's, 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 you know, it's only got so much of a shelf life. What are you going to do with it? That could bring us to a part two, which becomes a foreign policy conversation. A foreign policy conversation is, hey, nation, uh, you don't have enough vaccine or you don't have vaccine. We'll take care of you. We've got those seven million doses. Here you go. By the way, um, that trade deal, you sure you want to do that with China? Now you say to me, holy cow, you're going to hold people's lives, people there, hold their lives ransom. I'm telling you how I think the world works and how it's going to go down. And it's going to not maybe be said as clumsily as that or as directly as that. It's going to be, you need 7 million doses. We've got you covered. We're your friend and we really care uh, about you and, and, and your people. And then two years later, a trade deal comes down and someone says, I am so glad we're friends. By the way, everyone feeling good? Oh, everyone's healthy. The kids are healthy. Oh, that's so great. That is so great. Yeah, I know. Those, those scientists we have, they are something else. So what's going on with the trade deal? I swear to you, it's like no one has ever negotiated a deal on a New York street corner before. You gotta start thinking 17 levels down the road, people! How's the family? Hey, how's that new business of yours? I remember when you were starting up. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, I remember that conversation. Oh, God, and look at you now. Look at you, started with nothing. Tommy, remember when he had nothing, right? You remember when he had nothing and we had that conversation? Look at him now. Oh, look at him now. Look at Mr. Successful over here. Huh? Mr. Success, look at you. Look at you. So, listen. Uh, I, it, I, it turns out, I, you know, I, I got a whole truck full of these things that, that I think your, your business could use. And listen, it's a sweetheart of a price. So you'd really be doing me a favor. You don't think that happens? You don't think that's exactly how it works? Stop it. I refuse to accept your naivete. You take that and you put that somewhere else. I think the move to have more vaccine is the absolute right move. And I believe that this is just 
common sense. I believe the Trump administration would have done exactly the same thing. And it would have been the right move. It's so interesting to me to see this administration be able to do some things right and yet act in a way that is so radically and wholly offensive because that's what they've done here. That's Biden's speech in a nutshell. It wasn't about hope. It wasn't about giving people a quote-unquote shot in the arm. It wasn't about letting America see, see where the opportunities are and see, look, guys, we're, we're, we're getting through this. We're doing great. No, no, it was telling them um, things are kind of okay, but if you don't act right. I need you to get vaccinated when it's your turn and when you can find an opportunity. There's a good chance of that. Huh. And if we don't? And for all of you asking when things will get back to normal, here is the truth. The only way to get our lives back to get our economy back on track is to beat the virus. You've been hearing me say that for while I was running and the last 50 days I've been president. But this is one of the most complex operations we've under, under, ever undertaken as a nation in a long time. That's why I'm using every power I have as president of the United States to put us on a war footing to get the job done. Sounds like hyperbole, but I mean it, a war footing. And thank God we're making some real progress now. In my first full day in all. I grabbed the wrong audio clip. I was making such a good point. Here it is. Here it is. This is what Joe Biden has for us. Or online. Unity is what we do together as fellow Americans. Because if we don't stay vigilant and the conditions change, then we may have to reinstate restrictions to get back on track. And please, we don't want to do that again. So you can get together July 4th in small groups unless you're bad boys and girls, in which case we'll reinstate restrictions on your ability to be free, you know, for your own health. Was not, was not a, a crowning moment in American oratory if we're honest about what it is we heard last night. I'm Tony Katz. So in the state of Idaho, there's something called an enhanced concealed carry license. And if you're a member of a school staff, you have this type of license you can carry on campus as long as the school board gives its permission. But now there's a bill that cleared the Idaho House 52 to 18 and staff, school staff can carry even if their local school board doesn't approve. It's House Bill 122. And the argument given by the author saying it's not about local control, but it's a Second Amendment issue. And it would forbid schools from posting gun-free school zone signs. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Uh, this is happening as the U.S. House of Representatives passed a pair of gun control bills. Cam Edwards of BearingArms.com will be with us a little bit later to discuss it. Also not getting discussed is the riots taking place in Portland. Antifa. By the way... Antifa kills, right? 
Right? We're, we're aware of this. Antifa killed a black man in Minneapolis. We, 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 know, we don't know this? Yeah, so there's this whole area. Uh, they made an autonomous zone near uh, 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 the George Floyd Memorial, and they, they made it an autonomous zone. And uh, somebody got shot there, and police weren't able to get in. And the guy died. And so I don't know why the headline isn't Antifa kills black men. That, I, thought that, I thought those were the rules. I thought that's how you wrote headlines. In the meantime, they're, they're rioting in Portland, trying to destroy a courthouse. They uh, had removed the barricades, and now the barricades are back. They're breaking glass. They're setting fires. This because of, of supposedly an oil pipeline, and then, of course, having to deal with George Floyd. And it's because Antifa likes this. They like the destruction. You want to know what Antifa is? This is a reporter who was on the scene there in Minneapolis, and this is what he ran into. This area behind me uh, is the George Floyd Memorial. This is where George Floyd was killed back in May. Take a look. Um, these barricades have been set up by uh, by protesters and supporters of the movement. Uh, they don't allow anyone in, not even the police. It's called an autonomous zone. Uh, and you're going to be in a bad situation here in a second. Oh, I thought if we were on this side of the barricade, you're going to be in a bad situation in a second. You're going to be in a bad situation, reporter, if you don't leave. You better get in your car and go. That's what they do. They threaten people all the time. But it's just an idea, says Joe Biden. Representative Dan Crenshaw called them terrorists today. I don't think that's debatable. I don't think that's debatable. Why not just say so? These people are violent and want to commit acts of violence. I'm Tony Katz. So the Texas Rangers, they play baseball. I don't don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, They are going to have fans in the stands full on for their games when the season opens. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Good. 41,000 people is what they can seat. Over there, what was it called? Globe Park, I think it is. 41,000. I'm sorry, 40,518. 41,000 people. Globe Life Field. There is nothing wrong with this. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. You have an issue? You think this is wrong? 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. Twitter, at Tony Katz, if you want. Uh, you can also uh, do parlor at Tony Katz as well. There's nothing wrong with this because just because they're open doesn't mean you have to go. You could decide, I'm not going to be anywhere near that kind of crazy, and then you don't go. You don't go to the game. I get that freedom messes people up. It does. The ability to choose your own course, the ability to live your own life, the ability to make your own decisions, it is much, much easier. Much easier to let the government just make decisions for you. 
I think it's one of the reasons why people uh, who, who favor the idea of government largesse, right? They favor the idea of, of paying your taxes. It's the American thing to do. Well, if you want to pay more, you could just write a bigger check. For some reason, that doesn't work for them. But the idea of there being, via legislation, greater taxation, that's what makes sense. If you feel committed to a thing, you don't. You could just pay more. You don't have to listen to the number there. The number says you owe $1,000. You can add another zero onto that mother. Go right ahead. No one's going to stop you. I'm not going to stop you. I might laugh at you, but I'm not going to stop you. I might shake my head at you, but I'm not going to stop you. I may turn to somebody and be like, can you believe this is actually happening? But I'm not going to stop you. I can't. can't. I may interrupt you and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Really? You're going to add another zero to them? All right. And that's going to be it. They can't do it for themselves, right? That, that's not good enough. People deciding for themselves. No, no, people can't decide not to go to a baseball game. You can't allow them to go to a baseball game. Well, that's messed up. That's, that gets into a whole story about what's going on in Michigan with cigars. I'll get into that because that, that the, the, you, you must defy and and I will I will absolutely positively get into that. Then there's this story about the alarming number of students failing classes due to the pandemic. Now this one's out of Anderson, Indiana, which is north of of, of Indianapolis. Right? It's it's it, it, its own world. N- nice spot I think has the opportunity to to really grow and and, and rebuild itself. Being a guy who lives in Indiana, I I have faith But this story out of Anderson, Indiana is very much a story that's going on all around the country. And it is the story of what has happened to students when there is no school. When they are not able to be in a classroom. And what are we finding? In the main, these students are failing. Not only failing, they're not even showing up for class or for virtual learning. Now, I have heard these stories gone the other way, which is when you see students saying, hey, you don't want me to go back to school. You don't, I'm, I'm getting A's in this virtual stuff. You do not want me going back to the classroom. I'm going to get C's. Why? Because they're cheating on everything. They're taking tests and they've got the answers all around their computer screen. They got things written everywhere. You can't see, you can't tell. I've heard many of these stories. And the most horrific when we talk about the kids having problems is when you hear people say, ah, kids are resilient. Kids are resilient, they'll be fine. I will tell you that my kids, in my view, are fine. Uh, We talk to them often about what's going on. We check in with them often about how they're doing. But we have never said to them, don't see friends. Right? It was clear that some friends weren't going to go see them, but we were always open to it. Specifically playing outside and then certainly uh, playing inside. I have a a cousin in, in, in in, in the New England area. And said, uh, oh, oh, yeah, the, the, the kids have sleepovers. And they were like, the, 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 the kids do what? They have drive-by birthday parties. 
birthday kid sits outside, friends drive by, and they wave. Happy birthday. Oh, my gosh. Now, there are some people who need to have that kind of isolation. They could work in the healthcare world, and they felt certainly uh, during the, 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 the most tough of times that they didn't want to have themselves in a place where they could be compromised. They could be working with people who are sick or elderly or everything, else, and they don't want to have that issue. So they kept away, and they kept the kids away. That's a rational thing to do. They did not need government to tell them. They knew that they wanted to be more protective. They could have elderly family members, whether living in the house or living in a home or living here or living there, and they want to be able to see them, And so they kept themselves distant from other people. They were able to make that decision for themselves. These kids don't get to make the decision that was made for them. And the idea that they are resilient and can bounce back is meaningless drivel. Why? It's not the story. The story is look what we're doing to these kids. Why don't we just open up the schools? Why haven't we opened them up six months ago? Why did we do this? When you see people, when you hear people make the argument that kids are resilient and they'll be fine and don't be silly, that's not the argument. That is far from the situation, which brings me to Sarah Silverman. And uh, on, honestly, I, this, this might cause a riot. This might cause a riot. Uh, Sarah Silverman is a comic. Sarah, Sarah Silverman is funny. Sarah Silverman is not politically correct. And I love the fact that she sometimes apologizes for jokes. What are you doing? I find it funny that somebody who is willing to throw Louis C.K. under the bus is apologizing. But that's a, that, that's a separate conversation. She has announced in a podcast that she's had it with the absolutistness of the Democratic Party and no longer wants to be associated with it. It's so blanking elitist. It's the absolutistness of the party that I am in that is such a turnoff to me. You know, for something called progressive, it allows for zero progress. It's all or nothing. I think I don't want to be associated with any party anymore. It comes with too much baggage. Every party, it comes with so much blanking baggage that no ideas can be taken at face value. And without ideas, what are we? Without a common truth, how can we talk about it? You know, Republicans might hear an idea they would totally agree with, but if it comes from AOC, then they hate it. And of course, you know, to be honest, when I hear an idea that comes from a Republican, it's suspect to me. Well, that much is is true, right? people, People do that. If you want to talk about absolutistness, if you want to talk about the real issue, it's that Republicans still believe you're allowed to put an idea out into the sphere. The liberals and the progressives that you have touted and supported and worked with to attack Republicans believe that Republicans shouldn't be allowed to speak in the public square. I shouldn't be allowed on radio. They shouldn't be allowed on college campuses. And most probably they need to be re-educated in camps. See the difference, Sarah? Sarah! What, are we going to deny this? Don't be a putz. Get with the program, kid. You know it, I know it, we know it. What are we doing? Stop pretending. This is the problem. 
It's a party that you supported. And if you want to help break that part of them, I'd greatly appreciate it. The rest of us would too. I just think, you know what? Maybe it took you this long to get here. Just really glad you're here, Sarah. Now let's go to work. Cam Edwards talks gun laws next. I'm Tony Katz. They never stop. They never quit. They never sleep. They never rest. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. And the Democrats in the House of Representatives advancing two pieces of legislation. To go after firearms, H.R. 8 and H.R. 1446, Cam Edwards joins us now from BearingArms.com, where he is the Capo de Tutti Capo over there, to break down what these two pieces of legislation are, what it is that House Democrats are trying to do to impinge on Second Amendment rights, and what the future is in the Senate, or possibly in the Supreme Court. Let's start with H.R. 8, which is about background checks, which is weird because there are already background checks, but this is about private transfers where they want to get involved. Yeah, exactly, Tony. Thanks very much for the invite. Uh, Yeah, so H.R. 8 would require that background checks be performed on, as you say, private transfers of firearms. Uh, How exactly the federal government would, would be aware that these private transactions are taking place, nobody's been able to say. Uh, how exactly this requirement would actually prevent illicit firearms transfers from taking place among criminals, nobody can explain. Uh, but, you know, it's a feel-good, do-something piece of legislation. It polls pretty well. Uh, and that, I think, ultimately is why Democrats push this bill through, not because of any actual public safety benefit. They also got eight Republicans to vote in favor yep. of this. This seems it, it's very obvious that this is not something you'd be able to track in any way. But it does seem like it's a great way to put something on the books to therefore criminalize anybody who's involved in, I don't know, uh, a, a well, any bit of commerce. Well, not even that. I mean, you know, look, under the provisions of this bill. Um, let's say your neighbor calls you at nine o'clock at night and says, Hey, listen, um, I'm really sorry, but I'm very scared. My ex has been threatening me. I'm worried he's going to show up. Um, could I know that you're a gun owner, you know, could, could I borrow a handgun just for the night? So I feel better, uh, under this law or under this bill, you'd have to say no, because if you gave her a gun, you'd be violating the law. The, the law has a, uh, an exemption for quote, imminent threats so basically you'd have to wait until that abusive ex shows up at her door tries to break it down and then you could run over and toss her a handgun and say here now you can protect yourself uh as soon as he leaves or as soon as the threat is stopped she would have to then give the gun back to you uh but other than that you know you would not be allowed to to give her or loan her a firearm you could not loan a firearm to a friend for a couple of weeks so you could go hunting out west uh you would be allowed under this bill to sell a gun to your aunt without going through a background check but you couldn't sell a gun to her daughter uh, without going through a background check. I mean, it's, it's, it's so screwy and ridiculous. And the really sad thing is, Tony, that there are steps that Congress will be taking right now that do not involve putting any new laws on the books that truly would impact violent criminals, truly would make our communities safer. They're not doing it. Instead, they're offering up empty promises to good people in bad neighborhoods that they're going to be protected because of this nonsensical piece of legislation. Talking to Cam Edwards of BearingArms.com. The other one is H.R. 1446, which is basically saying you get a waiting period and you get a waiting period. It doesn't matter what your state says. Everyone gets a waiting period. 
Yeah, and an indefinite waiting period. Under federal law right now, if you go and you get a, an instant background check when you buy a gun at retail, uh, it generally comes back approved, it might come back denied, uh, and it could come back delayed. And in those circumstances, the FBI has three business days to do further research uh, and figure out if you're prohibited or not. If they don't get back to the gun seller within three days, that seller can release the firearm to the person who wants to buy it. What 1446 would do would be extend that period to 10 business days. And then after that, you still couldn't release the gun. Even if the FBI had not gotten back to you and said, yep, you're good to go, or nope, don't sell that gun, you would have to petition the federal government in writing to actually release that firearm. So on paper, it's a 10-day waiting period, but in practice, it could be an indefinite delay. That's if it comes back. That's if it comes back undetermined, right? Right, yeah. So, but that on its on its face seems so unconstitutional that how could the Supreme Court, at least in this fashion, even begin to uphold such a thing? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, and of course, you know, I would expect that the Supreme Court would strike down uh, a law like this if it actually got on the books. But, you know, we're waiting for the Supreme Court to take a Second Amendment case. Um, it's been over 10 years now since the court has really ruled in a case dealing with our right to keep and bear arms. They've got a case dealing with the right to carry that they're going to consider in conference here in a couple of weeks. But we need to see the court actually start accepting some Second Amendment cases before gun owners can feel confident uh, that the court's going to offer any sort of protection for our right to keep and bear arms. Talk to me about what we're thinking about in the Senate here. This could go 50-50 in a tie break to Kamala Harris, uh, Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema. Um, They're all going to be in favor of these things? Yeah, I would expect that Manchin would be in favor. I mean, he was the co-author of the Manchin-Toomey background check bill, which did not go as far as H.R. 8, uh, but he is in favor of expanding background checks. Uh, I think you could probably get, you know, even a Republican like Susan Collins to go along uh, with a measure like this, but they're not going to be able to get 60 votes in the Senate. And so that's where the questions really, you know, come up. Uh, Can they try to do this via budget reconciliation? Uh, Can they try to, you know, shove this into some must-pass budget bill? I, I don't know. Uh, But I do know that Chuck Schumer has said they're going to bring this bill to the floor. Uh, It's very clear that this is, you know, something that Joe Biden wants to get done. And I think that Senate Democrats are going to look at every possible way that they can get this to Biden's desk uh, with just 51 votes. His name is Cam Edwards, E-D-W-A-R-D-S. Bearing Arms is the site, B-E-A-R-I-N-G, BearingArms.com. Be sure to check it out and get the latest. Uh, Before I let you go, I got about 40 seconds. Uh, The minute it went 50-50 in the Senate, this is what you were going to see, right? Like, like. Everybody knew this, this level of insanity and real hate for lawful gun ownership was coming. I think we knew it before the election. I, I think we knew it with Joe Biden's candidacy. I mean, he was running on the most anti-gun platform in American history. Uh, and so far, we've seen Democrats embrace that agenda. Cam Edwards, E-D-W-A-R-D-S. Follow him on the Twitter box. And the site is BearingArms.com, Cam. Always uh, thank you. Andrew Cuomo going to hold a presser. Andrew Cuomo might resign, but there's no way he's going to resign. But guess who's calling for him to resign? She's got three initials. This is Tony Katz today.